0: Winning Tennessee Wildcast is on the air with the latest on hunting, fishing, boating, wildlife watching, and all things outdoors. Make welcome your host, drummer, and outdoor expert novice, Jason Harmon. Hello, everybody, and
1: welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. We're glad you're tuning in. We thank you for watching and for listening. It's gonna be a great show, Don. It is, yeah. I'm excited. Uh, today is all about sturgeon and the reintroduction of sturgeon, the kind of the sturgeon program. Right. Uh, but
0: before we dive in, do you want to? Uh, yeah, yeah. Do a little a shout, shout out. Shout out to a radio partner, WOKI, right there in Knoxville. Uh, ninety-eight point seven on the dial, and we are on Saturday afternoons at 1.30, So, for all those that. Coming back out of the woods or just slept in, hey, you can tune us in in the middle of the afternoon.
1: Or if you're on the boat fishing in the late afternoon. Heck, yeah. Coming off from an early fishing trip. Uh-huh. You know, the last show, we mentioned uh, a new time slot for a radio. Right. Right and in Memphis. Yeah, Afternoon. Yeah, or kind of mid-morning, I guess. Uh-huh. But these later, later times, I think, are great. Yeah. For those folks who like to get out real early and want to catch <laughs> us later. So if you're in Memphis and you're in Knoxville, tune us in. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. All right. Well, today we have Brandon Simcox with us. He's our Rivers and Streams Program Coordinator. Uh, He's right upstairs here, but we don't cross paths enough. I'm glad you're here with us today. Glad to be here. Looking forward to to talking sturgeon. Uh, Let's just jump in with an introduction. You've been on the show before, but I'm sure some folks are uh yeah. maybe haven't met you or, or seen the show that you were on in the past talking trout a lot of times but yeah. now we're going to talk sturgeon but go ahead jump in tell us a little bit about what you do and...
2: yeah yeah so it's been a while so yeah i'm the rivers and streams program coordinator w- coordinator with the agency i work with our regional staff in the rivers and streams program doing anything from trout to stream stuff the smallmouth bass musky sturgeon work um. So it varies. Honestly, every day I come in, I honestly don't know what I'm getting into.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's a, all, every day is an adventure. So. Obviously, you love fishing. You love fish. Uh, That's your background. You also love to hunt, right? Yep.
2: Yep. So, I grew up in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, Grew up hunting and fishing public lands that Teterbury managed. I grew up hunting Wolf River WMA. Awesome. Uh, Hunted uh, like Chickasaw State Forest. Uh, Grew up fishing some of the Herb Parsons State Lakes Uh and uh, going to the trout stockings. It's pretty cool that mm-hmm. that now I'm part of that and part of managing some of those, you know, programs within the agency. It's, it's pretty, pretty awesome. That's awesome. I didn't know that. So Memphis area native. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: so you met a few trout trucks
1: out
2: there. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If I, I used to go to, to, to Cameron Brown Park in Germantown and go fish oh, for nice. trout. And nice. yeah, it's, a, it's like a high school kid. And yeah, uh, that's awesome. It was, uh, it was good, but, but uh, went to University of Tennessee, got my undergrad degree in wildlife and fisheries management, went on to get my master's at Auburn University, then kind of worked all over the country. I worked out west for a while, worked in the Smokies for a little bit, uh-huh. um, worked in Florida as a fisheries biologist, doing some coastal river work, and then I was very fortunate enough to get the opportunity to... A job with TWA and come back to my home state. Yeah, come and, back home. Uh, and I'm honestly, I can say that I'm in my dream job. Like, I, I, it's, I'm very fortunate.
1: I bet. I'm very That's fortunate. Cool. That's cool. That's awesome. And uh, a recent. Uh, new family member, right? Yep Got a little, a little long, baby girl
2: How long goes go has that been? She is 19 months 19 already 19 months, alright yep. It's
1: wild <laughs> Yeah Well, you'll have her out there fishing before too okay. long If not already Yeah
2: uh, She's been out a few times she's, <laughs> she's still a little afraid of the fish right now <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, you can bait the hook and let her cast Yeah that. That's fun awesome. Yep. awesome Well, today is all about sturgeon And, uh, you know, we were talking before I don't know that we've had a sturgeon show And if we have I, It's been so far back Episode You know, we're in three hundreds now, so it's so far back I can't remember. Mm, Right, right. Uh, Tell folks what a sturgeon is. Is it a dinosaur? Yeah,
2: I mean, it honestly (laughs) is. It's it is a living fossil. It was in the fossil record back when the dinosaurs were were around. Um, If you haven't seen one, they're kind of picture this kind of long torpedo shaped looking fish, kind of a leathery looking skin. Uh They don't have like traditional fish scales you'd think like on a bass or a bluegill or something like that kind of brown in color with uh, a row along the side each side of like these bony plates um, scoots and then also along the back Um, like I said kind of brown on top kind of a whitish belly Um, but they are they are a living fossil probably one of the oldest fish species in Tennessee Uh Um, so they're very very cool very unique fish for sure and they I mean they can be Huge up to eight foot, mm-hmm. 300
0: pounds. They kind of have a rubbery feel, too. They do, yeah. You have been able to handle, you know, and mm-hmm. on uh putting them out there, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I haven't had a chance to do that, do Oh, really?
2: Yeah. yeah, we'll have, have to get to... you out. Sam, yeah. we need to do that. Yeah.
1: I need to release a few.
2: Yeah, so they can get huge. Yeah, in the, in the range, they've been recorded up to yeah, eight foot. 300 pounds. Um, They're really long-lived fish. So males, they live anywhere 50, 55, 60 years, Uh, but the females have been recorded over 100 years old. Oh man! Um, So they are very long-lived fish. Some of this work we're doing now, they're going to, you know, the fish we're putting out now are going to outlive any of the work that I'm doing or outlive me. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's That's awesome.
0: That's awesome. They are kind of slow starting though, aren't they? It takes them a while to to mature to (laughs) Yeah, point where they can reproduce.
2: They do, yeah. So it takes anywhere between fifteen to twenty years before wow. they're they're old enough to even be able to spawn yet. Uh-huh. So it's uh it's very slow going for them, which makes them pretty susceptible to um, issues that can help or that really impact their populations. Yeah, and so
1: before we started, I mentioned it was reintroduction. Uh, we we're going to talk about the reintroduction mm-hmm. of the sturgeon because at one point. They kind of got over-harvested, fished out, and, and they're native to Tennessee, but yep. we're having to, to work on that.
2: Yeah, so really back in the day, they were unregulated species. They, they when, uh, Like a lot of species. Yeah, right. Yeah. When the Game and Fish Commission was formed in, in 49, there was no size limit, no creel limit. So there was a lot of harvest that was going on regulationally, uh, commercially, people for meat, for roe, for caviar. Uh-huh. And so they were kind of taking a a beating that way. But also prior to the Clean Water Act in 72, water quality was really poor um, on our rivers. And then also during that time, dams were being constructed all up and down the Tennessee and Cumberland River system. Changed the structure a little bit. Yep. So it fragments habitat, kind of covers up some of their spawning areas, uh, impacts their ability to move up and down the rivers. But also those dams were creating water quality issues as well. So it kind of is this all-on approach on a fish that takes a long time to spawn and lives really long. And so we saw our – from some of the documents that we can find, in the 70s was really the last recorded lake sturgeon that we saw in Tennessee, and it was discovered in a fish kill um, Hmm. due to pollution Mm -hmm. uh, here in Nashville. Hmm. And so that was kind of the end. They were essentially wiped out of the state of Tennessee at that point. Yeah, that's crazy to – to think
1: about that you can wipe out a species like that with just fishing and overharvest. They're hard to catch, though.
2: They can they? be, yeah. I mean, depending on methods, yeah. Yep, they can be. And it's interesting, too, you know, talking to a lot of some of the old-timers will be out sampling and stuff, and they'll be like, oh, man, sturgeon, we used to see sturgeon all the time way back in the day. And, and then, you know, they did. They they blinked out. Yeah. So, well, I'm going down my list here. I had a few questions that
1: we wanted to touch on today, but since I men- mentioned uh, hard to catch, in Tennessee, it's a catch and release uh, program, right? Right now, it is. And it's, you, you're not supposed to target them. Right. So, explain that to folks and let them know that before we dive even deeper.
2: Yeah. So, so sturgeon were given protection under our state uh, threatened and endangered species list. They are they were listed as endangered, which automatically puts protections on them. You can't harvest them, you can't target them, harass them, anything like anything like that. So that gave protection to them, mm-hmm. and so. Since essentially since the seventies or so, um, when that list was, was created, they've kind of been protected in that way. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah. And so if you catch one. But uh, occasionally. Yeah. It happens. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. We get a lot of people that they're sauger fishermen or cat fishermen that, that do catch them, you know, not necessarily targeting them, but they're, they're still yeah. catching
1: them. And, uh, uh, so we do have some, a uh, certificate that, that we will send you if you report your harvest because we
2: want to know about it right right oh yeah you guys want to know we definitely want to know that information's been really helpful for the program and for helping us learn more about these fish and kind of seeing some changes so yeah so you can you can submit um that information um on our website you can call the off an office or uh email Uh and um give us that information send us a picture location size of fish uh, send it to us and we'll send you a awesome certificate with, the. Uh, <laughs> essentially it's a, it's a, just Tom O'Leary, a really famous fish artist, uh, has allowed us to use his image of, of lake sturgeon on it. And nice. we'll send that to you for no cost. Yeah. All right. As long
1: as you put that fish back, right? Yeah. You gotta release it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, gotta release,
2: release it. it. <laughs> yeah. We recommend just taking a quick picture of it and then releasing it. Yeah. Right back in. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. So, uh,
1: let's jump back, uh, recovery here in Tennessee, uh, Around the late 90s or the 90s time, you all know, formed this working group, right? It's a lot of partners coming together to...
2: Yep, yep. Reduce. So, really, even prior to that, there were some things that were really integral that, that happened to really set the foundation for restoration in Tennessee. Okay. So, one, we had the Clean Water Act happen in, in the early 70s. That started cleaning up pollution. Uh, entities like TVA started forming internal policies to improve water quality below mm-hmm. the dams. So and we had these protections on the fish for no harvest. So all of a sudden we we were starting to get things kind of built back up to where the habitat and the protections were out there that there's there was a chance that we could begin restoring these species back to mm. to the state. And so in ninety-two there was a kind of experimental stocking done on the upper Clinch River. It was a few thousand fish that were put in. There was a little bit of follow up there, um, but nothing really gained Uh too much traction from that. So in 1998, TWA, Fish and Wildlife Service, uh, TVA, uh, several other partners, the aquarium all came together and uh, formed the, the... it started as the Tennessee uh, Lake Sturgeon Working Group, and mm-hmm. then it has expanded to the Southeastern Lake Sturgeon Working Group. So all these partners have come together, focused on solely restoration of, of Lake Sturgeon back into the Tennessee and Cumberland watershed. Right, right. Awesome. And then
1: from there... The Tennessee River and the Cumberland systems have seen a lot of
2: fish, right? Yeah, yep. So we began stocking the Tennessee River and primarily on the focused on the Upper Tennessee, so like Fort Loudon Reservoir, the Holston, the French Broad rivers. In two thousand, that's when everything started ramping up for for okay. for a focused task of restoring restoring them back to the yeah. state. Um, and then we picked up on the Cumberland in two thousand six, started stocking uh, the Cumberland for restoration. Awesome. Uh, one thing that popped in my head when we started talking here is
1: uh, you know, they disappeared, um, and then we're trying to bring them back. Was there a certain fish that helped identify uh, better waters, or like this fish is a sturgeon similar to any other fish that we have that you could say, Oh, this fish is doing well here, this would be a good place to reintroduce it. I might be putting you on the spot, yeah, there,
2: you know, and I don't such know a unique fish, they are unique and they're they're unique. Very unique to Tennessee. I'll, you know, we have a couple other sturgeon species. You know, in the Mississippi River primarily. Okay. Uh, um, but yeah, you know, I don't know in those early um, talks of really what kind of sparked that and got the got the ball rolling. But they are. I mean, you know, that the TDR our mission is to res- you know conserve, protect, enhance these fish populations mm-hmm. and. Lake Sturgeon were an important part of Tennessee, the Tennessee River, the Cumberland Watershed. So, yeah. um, you know, it really met our mission, Fish and Wildlife Service mission, to, to bring these, these fish back. Yeah. Cool. I
1: just think, I mean, they're, they are they swim so deep, and uh, I think of a paddlefish, and, you mm-hmm. know, even
2: catfish are down there with them. Right. You know, right. it's just, I don't know. Yeah, they occupy a lot of the similar habitats, mm-hmm. like paddlefish. And, and like I said, catfishermen catch a lot of them, Ended up being a big majority of the anglers that report okay report i catching.
0: remember it well when the french broad river release or one of them yeah. you know i was there with the tennessee's wild side yeah uh, tv show that was one of, i think that was season 1 you know that was one wow. of wow more exciting things got to do that that year. Yeah. So that was pretty cool.
2: Yeah. Not to age you. I remember watching those shows as a, as a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I,
0: I was, I was a lot more closer yeah. to a kid age yeah. at that point right. too. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: understand. Fewer
1: gray hairs. And yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and more hair. Maybe not. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm right there with you. I'm I didn't want to go there. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, so, where do these fish come from? I mean, uh, so they've disappeared. So how how do we bring them
2: back? Yeah, so one of our partners is actually the state of Wisconsin. So Fish and Wildlife Service really takes the lead on on this part. Mm. Where they go up in the spring when the lake surgeon are spawning on the rivers up there. They go work with the state, um, they actually spawn those, the lake sturgeon right there on the river and return them. And then they bring all the eggs back um, to the Fish and Wildlife Service hatchery in Georgia. Okay, They get those and they then they disperse them to multiple Fish and Wildlife Service hatcheries all across the Southeast, as well as the Tennessee Aquarium raises fish for us as well. So they'll raise those that happens in spring and by like September, October, they're big enough. They're about five inches, um, that we begin stocking them out as water temperatures start to cool on the, on the reservoirs and then, yeah, then they're stocked at about six inches, uh, out all across really from, uh, like the, the French Broad, the Holston, Fort Loudoun down to Chickamauga, Mm -hmm. um, now, and then on the Cumberland, Cordell hole down all the way down to Barkley. Um, we stock fish.
0: Would those five-inch fish have a particular predator that that?
2: You know, that's exactly what the scoots on their body for. If you ever, if you ever, one, yeah, <laughs> if you ever catch one, yeah. If you ever catch one, I mean, the little ones especially. Those scoots that are on the side, those bony plates, have tips on them, and they're pretty sharp. Oh, um, So I'm sure there are some predators on them, but. Those scoots protect those fish. You know, a bass comes up and bites on them. They're biting on a hard, bony, spiky plate, essentially. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but as those fi- as sturgeon grow, those scoots wear down. There's less need for any kind of protection at that point. So, wow, yeah,
0: yeah, that's cool. So their size kind of takes over at that point. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. yep. And the scoots—that's
1: you mentioned that earlier. That's part of their. Their scales, their body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they don't have scales, right?
0: They're, they're
2: they scales. do, but uh, But yes, but the 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 scoots are uh, essentially a large looking scale going down the side of each body or a side of the body, and then on the back. And they are they're they're there for protection of that. that
0: kind of remind it kind of puts you back in the prehistoric kind of uh, for sure. range when you see those like a stegosaurus or
1: something. Yeah, would know,
2: have
0: those <laughs> plates too.
1: Yeah, so. yeah. Well, and and you use those for for markings, right? Yeah. They're important. So for the biology side of things. Yeah.
2: So we want to learn about growth and survival Mm -hmm. and all that kind of information. And so one of the ways that we know what year those fish were stocked to know about growth rates and things like that is we'll remove a pair of scoots on either side of, of the fish, and we've got kind of a template of like, okay, this year you're going to move the first and second on the left. And so we know if we catch that fish in the future, uh, yeah. it's a 2022 fish or something like that. Yeah, And okay. so then we can look and start building these, you know, do the math and the modeling and look at growth curves and survival and all that kind of stuff yeah that's awesome
1: mm-hmm. i think that's neat because you yeah. can uh clear like fan clippings y'all do that too on other fish and different things so yep. this one way is y'all can mark them and know right and if a fisherman catches it you see that in the image I felt yeah i way.
2: definitely every image that comes in i'm trying to zoom in just to see <laughs> just to see but we, we use a lot of that when we go out and do our sampling you know that's one of the main things that we're paying attention to it's one of the key pieces that we want to look at is okay see how old this fish is Hey, if you're just joining us,
0: we're talking to Brandon Simcox, and he's uh, Rivers and Streams Program Coordinator with TWRA. So, anyway, we're, we're talking sturgeon here.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. And uh, I'm coming up to my monitoring questions. We've kind of got to that point. Uh, y'all are running trot lines, and, and that's probably your main, your main method of, of catching these fish and sampling them because you have to – you have to do some work on them. You can just release them and say, oh, they're out there now. Yeah.
2: Yeah, if we just did that, we would never really know what was going on, yeah. you know, if, if anything was a success or not. And so we do. We run trot lines. We, we sample in the late fall, early winter. Uh, the, we kind of saw that these fish, in that time frame, they kind of move back and start congregating in some of the deeper holes along mm-hmm. the, the main stems of the river. So they come a little bit more uh, uh, easily targetable, I guess. And we use trot lines. So what we're doing is We'll run a four hundred foot long trot line in the reservoirs. We typically set on the edge of the like channel where the marker buoys are for the main mm-hmm. river. Uh, we'll put a buoy out and we run that four hundred foot of of line out, has fifty hooks on it um, out across the channel, really targeting like, humps in the bottom, changes in, you know, like the contours, real deep holes, things like that, where they're kind of known locations. And, and honestly, some of the, the angler information that comes in from the reports have really oh, yeah. helped dictate
0: I bet that where,
2: part. hey, like, hey, we there, there's a lot of fish coming from here. Let's yeah. go check it out, For, set uh-huh. lines during sampling, and we you know, end up catching fish.
1: So Yeah, that's a lot of a lot of baiting there. Fifty hooks. <laughs>
2: it is. And that's so that's yeah, fifty hooks, but we run eight lines a day too, and that's per boat. Oh, and so it ends up being, you know, yeah, four hundred hooks out a day. Um wow. during that. That's per boat. And then like I said we have partners so fish and wildlife service brings boats up and they'll they'll run lines the University of Tennessee helps out they they're running lines as well um so it's a, it goes there's a lot of effort happening you know in a couple weeks of the year to yeah. to really catch these fish
1: Is there any other technology I'll use out there I know like you know there's a side scan things that people use for fishing
2: Yeah they can see those does that help at all so we use side scan a lot to to look at bottom contours and see what's on the bottom we don't really see them gotcha um down there i'm sure you could use you know the forward-facing sonar that's so big now and see i'll bet you could you could see some fish Uh uh moving around down there um but but primarily, we've we kind of we've honed in on these spots um, that we know these fish are at, and that's through various past research projects, uh, the, some of the angler stuff. Um, so we know we kind of know where to where to get them.
1: hmm And that helps. I mean, you got to target them best you can and build. To... Yeah. And you know if you've caught those fish before, you're you're tagging them in some of the cases, right? Other yeah. Than the scoot. Uh, stuff. You're, mm-hmm. are you pit tagging them or any kind of? Yeah. So like we
2: catch a fish um, during our sampling. We'll we'll weigh and measure the fish. We, you know, we looked at scoots to see the age and then we'll also scan them for a tag. Like you would put in your dog or cat a little, it's about the size of a grain of rice. Mm-hmm. So we'll scan them. If they don't have one, uh, we'll put a tag in them. Um, That way, if we ever capture that fish in the future, uh, we'll know exactly where we caught it, how big it was, all that kind of information, which is important. We we can look at movement, we can look at finer tuning our growth rates, and and there's a lot of information we get from that. We take fin clips as well just to get genetic information to ensure that we wanna make sure that we're, that we're matching the genetics of the source population, that we're not creating this bottleneck of only a few, like essentially siblings out there, because then the population wouldn't be healthy. We wouldn't have very much genetic integrity and, and the population would likely end up not being very healthy. Um, so we do, we do that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> well, through 2021, you've had what, around 500 and something captured on Tennessee
2: river. Yeah, so that that number's actually gone up. Gone up. Yeah, so we so this year we were out. We caught forty fish this year um, on the Tennessee system. Okay, and so we're close to about six hundred fish, actually now um, captured through Fish and Wildlife Service, T, uh, TWRa, all the partners. Right on the Cumberland River, we're over a hundred now, or about one hundred and twenty. We caught twenty on Old Hickory this year, and so yeah, we continue to catch. Uh, you know, catch fish every year We catch fish of all age classes All sizes uh-huh. So that, that tells us that Things are going well fish are, There's fish that are stocking They're surviving, they're growing um, So yeah, we're, it's, it's encouraging for sure And we catch the, Of the fish we catch We don't catch many that had the tags in them From uh, previous okay, recaptures good. So that tells us that there's a lot of sturgeon You know, out there mm. um, And so uh, Which is good which is good for for the population and are you catching
1: what you think are new fish that weren't stocked
2: no not yet okay um so not like, hit, not hit that age yet right no, it yeah. takes them
1: a long time to reproduce right
2: so we're just now like just we're hitting the it, spot to where we could see something in a year we thought we, s- we were getting some reports of some interesting information last year and again going back to the angler stuff they came from anglers that caught them um we had two fish caught up the hawassi river up at the appalachian powerhouse you know that's trout water up Mm -hmm. there essentially um and you know the reports from those anglers were hey like this fish i saw it out there in the middle of the river it was porpoise it was coming out of the water like (laughs) reaching that's spawning that's essentially spawning behavior oh okay. okay And then about a week later we got another report from an angler up there that i guess there's a there's a little side creek or side channel and he saw the sturgeon up in that side channel Uh like up in a shallow area it was by itself but and and those reports are 40 plus miles from the nearest detection that we've ever had or record of them so they made a run last year but like i said we're just now getting to that 20-year threshold and one of the things with sturgeon is they don't necessarily spawn every year like a lot of fish do. So a sturgeon might spawn at 24 years, and it might be another couple of years before that fish ever spawns again. Hmm. So right now, like I said, we're, we're just now uh, – it's an exciting time, but we're just now getting to the point to where we might see something.
0: So a 20-year-old fish, what – Physically, about what size would that be, Brandon?
2: So those fish are probably pushing, I would say, five foot, okay. six foot long, maybe. Uh, the biggest fish that we've captured in in sampling has been around that, so sixty inches, maybe a little bigger, in fifty pound range. Okay. Um, and it, it's it's I, when I talk to anglers a lot in the field, like, and they talk about how big they are, and I'm like yeah those are still babies though. you just they wait. are literally yeah. babies they're not even old enough to spawn yet that's how young you know young they are in in sturgeon age <laughs>
1: yeah some some monsters down there. yeah <laughs> yeah well i think uh i think about the work y'all do it uh y'all are putting out 400 hooks per boat and you catch a very small number of
2: fish yeah they're hard to catch they are and yeah but that's a lot of work for you guys y'all are putting the hours in it is those are full full days and often it it literally never ceases to fail that you know we might be in the early like that late fall early winter and all of a sudden you get like a 60 degree week and you're like oh man next week we're scheduled a sample and then a snowstorm blows in (laughs) or rain or something like that it's always like the worst conditions ever Uh, that's how it was this year it literally rained all week and it was 30 degrees but it it's, it's probably the most exciting thing that I've done as in my fisheries career is going sturgeon sampling and like pulling up those trot lines and when you actually like you start feeling one pulling on there yeah, that you can tell we catch yeah. catfish and some other species on the line as well but you know you can know it's a you know it's a sturgeon when it starts really pulling and you're kind of fighting it it's a, it's so exciting every time it's it's <laughs> a pretty awesome yeah that's a great that's great well we're going to run out of time so I w- real quick you've kind of touched on it the success we haven't seen the natural reproduction but that's one of the success criteria is we want to see the natural reproduction um, you know we want to see fish of all ages we've got a lot of work we're still planning on doing we're mm-hmm. going to continue stocking for the foreseeable future for sure Um, And the ultimate goal, I mean, is to have a population that's healthy, self-sustaining, that maybe ultimately one day can be a sport fishing opportunity for Tennessee anglers.
1: Yeah, yeah. Awesome, that would be cool. So, just to reiterate, it's catch and release right now.
2: Catch and release, yeah. So,
1: uh, but take a picture, put it back in the water, send it to us, let us
0: know about it. Yeah, we have
2: a webpage on the web, uh, dedicated on the website. So, you can go on the website and explore around, or honestly, you can just go to like a Google and type in Lake Sturgeon and TWRA, and it'll be one of the first things that pop up. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Send us the report. There's a there's a form on there. There's three different options, but definitely go on the form, um, click that, fill out the information, and send that to us. That's
0: good. That's the information we really need, isn't yep. it? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's a way that uh, the fishermen, the sportsmen, can help. You yeah, know? for sure. You want to be involved? Does. Volunteer? Yeah. Yes,
2: <laughs> a, it does. Trust me. Yeah,
1: it's fun volunteering there. Just go fishing. Heck if yeah. you catch one, send <laughs> yeah. us a picture. Yep. Yeah, that's great. Well, Brandon, I appreciate you coming yeah. in. It's been Thanks a while. I'm glad you made the trip down here. It's a uh, it's a short elevator ride but uh, yeah <laughs> uh, we'll make it happen more often for sure uh don thank you thank you appreciate it brandon yeah thank A lot you of all. great information today yeah this is tennessee wildcast keep tuning in keep coming back and we'll see you next time
0: thanks for tuning in stay connected with twra by visiting our website at tnwildlife.org and follow us on facebook twitter and instagram Hey, it's all about Tennessee wildlife. It's what we do. Tennessee Wildcast will be on the air again next week. We'll see you then.